Five insane failed contract killings. Assassinations and contract killings sound like stories made from movies, but they do happen in real life. The cases on this list showcase stories of contract killings that didn't go quite as planned. These are five insane failed contract killings. Number five, Susan Kuhnhausen. For 17 years, 51-year-old Susan Kuhnhausen from Portland, Oregon, stayed married to her emotionally abusive husband, Mike. The two first met in 1988 when Susan's friend and her mother posted an ad for her in the paper. Towards the end of 1988, they were married. But shortly after, the relationship soured. According to Susan, Mike told her he was never really happy and treated her badly. He would often neglect her, complain about minor things, and even questioned her plans down to the detail whenever she headed out. For 17 years, though, she stuck it out until September of 2005, when she finally told him to get out and leave. Mike left, and Susan tried to move on with her life. Despite the separation, on occasion, the two still kept in touch. It was September 6, 2006, and Susan, an emergency room nurse, had just gotten off work. She headed to a salon to get her hair done, wanting to feel refreshed after kicking Mike out. After that, she headed home. When she entered her house, Susan realized her bedroom was dark. She thought she had pulled the curtains up in the morning. While thinking this, Susan caught a glimpse of someone in the corner of her eye. In a matter of seconds, she felt the end of a hammer on her head and face. The attacker was male, stood four inches over Susan's five-foot-four frame, and wore a baseball hat. Susan didn't know who he was. She screamed, who are you, in an effort to get him to reply. The man didn't say anything, though, but he hit her again and again with a hammer on her left temple. Afraid for her life, Susan decided to fight back. During the scuffle, she managed to wrestle the hammer from her attacker. She hit him several times in the skull, but it didn't seem to have any effect. During that fight, Susan bit her attacker several times, thinking if she was going to die, she was going to leave behind evidence. At one point, she managed to pull him to the floor. Susan, being heavier than her attacker, pinned him down, and hooking her arm, managed to place him in a chokehold. Asking again who sent him, the attacker still didn't respond. She held her arm tighter, tightening her hold around his neck. Then, she realized her attacker stopped moving, so she stood up, grabbed the hammer, and ran towards the neighbor's house for help. It was the neighbor that called 911, telling the operator there had been an attack and that Susan was afraid she may have killed him. The neighbor also mentioned Susan believes it was her ex-husband that may have sent the attacker. By the time police got there, the man was dead. It didn't take long for police to figure out who he was. His name was Ed Haffey. A war veteran, Haffey was a junkie who had a history with the police. In 1991, he arranged for his ex-girlfriend to be murdered and served nine years in jail for it. Haffey got out in 2003, and the following year, he found work at Fantasy Adult Video, the same place where Susan's ex-husband, Mike, had worked. Mike was booked by authorities a week after Susan's attack. He first denied knowing Ed, but police had already established a connection between them. It was then later revealed that Mike promised to pay Haffey $5,000 in exchange for Susan's life. 
During trial, Mike pleaded guilty and was sentenced to 10 years in prison. He later died there in 2014, months before he was due to be released. Susan is now known as Susan Walters. She continued to work as a nurse and moved to a new home, and she currently advocates for victims of criminal acts. Number 4. Chad South In May of 2006, a masked man wearing camouflage entered a home in Burton Township, Ohio. It was the home of Daniel Ott and Marianne Ricker. The home was a farmhouse, quiet and off the grid. As the couple lay in bed, a masked man suddenly appeared and pointed a gun at them. They were told to lie face down so they could be tied up. When the attacker tried to leave, 31-year-old Daniel freed himself and began chasing him. A scuffle followed and a gunshot went off, hitting Daniel in the chest. Bleeding on the floor, his girlfriend tried desperately to keep him alive, but it was too late. The intruder fled and Daniel Ott lost his life. By all accounts, Daniel was a good man. He was a kind neighbor and known to be a compassionate individual. No one could think of a reason why anyone would want him dead. Police initially had no idea what to make of the case. There was no forced entry or indications of a robbery. They could tell, though, someone went inside the house and purposely targeted Daniel. It would take six months after the murder before police would figure it out. The intruder had killed a different Daniel Ott. Apparently, there was another man with the same name living in the same area. This 61-year-old Daniel Ott was a career criminal and the target of this contract killing. He had been stealing cars since he was 13 and was no stranger to the law. In 2004, the criminal Ott was hired by a man named Joseph Rosebrook as a hitman. Rosebrook was suspected of running a car theft operation, but for years police had no concrete proof to put him in prison. When Ott was hired to become a hitman, he decided to skip on the agreement and turned against Rosebrook. As a result, Rosebrook was finally arrested and spent 10 years in prison for conspiracy to commit murder. While in jail, Rosebrook met Chad South, and it was here that he hired South to murder the criminal Ott for testifying against him. Once South got out, their communications went through Rosebrook's brother, Carl. Then in May of 2006, Daniel South barged into the home of the wrong Daniel Ott and killed him. It would take years before police could build a case. In 2014, Rosebrook was released from prison for his crime, but the following year, he was arrested again. This time, it was for Ott's killing. Two inmates testified that Rosebrook had agreed to pay South $20,000 for the murder, and his brother Carl would handle the payments. At the end of the trial, Joseph Rosebrook was found guilty of aggravated murder, kidnapping, and conspiracy, and he received a life sentence. Chad South was found guilty of murder and received 28 years in prison. His girlfriend, Mindy Stanifer, and another friend, Alva Jacobs, were both present in the car on the night of the murder, and they received 18 years each. Carl Rosebrook entered a deal and was fined just $1,000 for his part. Number 3. Chinese Hitman Hires Subcontractors Outsourcing has become the norm in a lot of businesses across the world, but it's rare for someone to outsource murder. However, 
This is exactly what happened in China. Tan Yuhai, a businessman, wanted someone killed. He was in a legal dispute with a competitor named Mr. Wei and wanted him gone. His answer was to hire a hitman and have him killed for $282,000. The first hitman he hired was Z Gungan. He accepted the offer, but unknown to Tan, the hitman decided to hire somebody else to get it done. He paid another person, Mo Taizing, half the amount, $141,000, and kept the rest for himself. Now, this second hitman decided he wasn't going to do it either, and figured he could keep part of the money himself. So, like the one before him, he referred the job to another potential killer. But it turns out Motang Zing also didn't want to do it himself and hired a third person, Yang Kangsheng. This third hitman was promised $38,000 for the job, then another $70,000 if it was successful. Believe it or not, now Yang also didn't want to kill Mr. Wee and decided to get somebody else to do it again. This time, Yang hired a man named Yang Gusheng and promised him $28,000 along with a bonus once the job was completed. But it didn't end there. Yang Gusheng, the fourth person, decided he could keep some of the money himself and get somebody else to do it for much cheaper. He approached Ling Zhang Zi, another hitman, to kill Mr. Wei for $14,000, a far cry from the original price Mr. Tan initially offered. However, Ling had something else up his sleeve. Deciding he didn't want to kill Mr. Wei, he met up with the intended victim and proposed they fit. The proposed victim, Mr. Wei, decided to go with it. He posed for photos showing him bound with a mouth gag. Then those photos were sent to Mr. Tan, who started it all to prove that he was dead. But instead, afterwards, Mr. Wei approached police and told them the entire story. The case was first reported back in 2013, and after three years, it finally headed a trial with the five hitmen, including the person that ordered the hit, Tan. Initially, they were all acquitted, but a retrial followed. A follow-up trial found them guilty, and they were sentenced to varying prison times. Mr. Tan received five-year sentence, all five of the would-be hitmen also received prison sentences ranging from two to three years. The case is definitely a strange one, one of the most unusual cases that we've ever covered. Number two, Amir Siddiqui. It was a regular Sunday morning at the Siddiqui household in Cardiff, South Wales. But on that day, in April of 2010, it would change their lives forever. That afternoon, two masked men barged into the home and brutally stabbed and killed 17-year-old Amir Siddiqui. Amir ran for the door the moment he heard the doorbell ring, as he was expecting his imam to arrive any minute for a private lesson. But when he opened the door, the two intruders immediately began stabbing him in the face and chest. The teen tried to run back inside, but the men followed him and continued stabbing. His parents, who were both home that day, tried to stop the attack, but... They also got stabbed in the process. After the frenzy, police were called, and the officers tried hard to save Siddiqui's life, but it was too late. A few days later, police managed to capture the two suspects, Jason Richard, who was 38, and Ben Hope, who was 39. Eyewitnesses linked them to the murder. Amir Siddiqui's blood was also found in the car that they had used. 
During questioning, they revealed someone had hired them. It wasn't to kill Amir, though, but it was aimed at another local man whose house was adjacent to the Siddiqui home on Ninian Road. The two men, high on heroin, had entered the wrong house and attacked the wrong person. After the trial, these two men were sentenced to four years in prison. However, the person that commissioned the crime, Muhammad Ali Eeg, was still at large and had already escaped to India. It wasn't until 2017 when he was finally found there, but while waiting to be extradited, he managed to escape through a bathroom window at a railroad station toilet on his way to the hearing. He has never been caught and has been on the run ever since. It's believed he may have changed his appearance as well as his identity. More recently, he's been included among Europe's most wanted fugitive list, and police are still appealing for information about his whereabouts. Number 1. Jessica Booth When 18-year-old Jessica Booth from Memphis, Tennessee, saw a piece of white block substance at an acquaintance's home, she thought she found her ticket to money. The 18-year-old aspiring model, thinking the white block was cocaine, hatched a plan. She wanted to raid the home and kill the four men that lived there before taking the drugs for herself. The teen mentioned her plan to some people, and in turn, they connected her to a hitman. She spoke with the man and described her plan. She said she needed the money for modeling, so she ordered a hit on the four men that lived in the home so she could take the cocaine for herself. She promised the hitman half of the money and drugs after everything was done. Booth had other instructions for the hitman as well. She told him to aim for the heart, and if children were inside if they could testify that they could be killed too. Booth even accompanied the hitman to the property for surveillance. However, Booth didn't realize one thing. It turns out the hitman she hired was an undercover police officer who was tipped off about Booth's plan from the start. The officer posed as a hitman and Booth happily described her plan of murder. But this wasn't the only snag. It turns out the block of white substance she saw in the home wasn't even cocaine. In fact, there were no drugs on the property at all. One of the intended victims, Antonio Sertardo, said they were actually blocks of white cheese. He was packaging them for his business, and turns out Booth was wrong about a lot of things in her plan. After the evidence was gathered, she was arrested and charged with four counts of murder and solicitation. Booth was placed in jail with a $1 million bond, Although her friends and family swear they didn't think she was capable of murder, the officer involved, as well as those in the case, said she was willing to commit murder without hesitation. So there were five insane contract killings. There are people who would kill for the right price, and there are those willing to pay for a variety of reasons. It's a bizarre give and take that unfortunately happens all the time. If you like this video, then please remember to subscribe to our channel and consider supporting us on Patreon. We have new videos coming out every Wednesday and Saturday for you to check out. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you soon.